Welcome to episode 66 of the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. Hello Martin, this is Robert from Germany. The day before yesterday I received my old prints and I want to say a big thank you to you. I mean, we all know about the high quality of your images, but now you surprised me again with a very fast delivery. It didn't even take a week for all the printing, including the delivery from Japan to Germany. I also want to greet all the podcast listeners. I mainly ordered the images of Mount Fuji and the Sado Island Sunset in A3+, Plus on the Epson Professional Ultrasmooth Fine Art Paper. These prints literally blow me away. And I can only confirm what Martin explained about this paper in episode number 63. So, if you need something for Christmas, go online and place your order. It's really easy to do, but you will face the tough part of selecting the images you want. However, I can really recommend it. Wow, thanks very much Robert for that great message. I'm so pleased that you like your prints. Unfortunately, it's taken me around two weeks to release a podcast after receiving this message, so uh, we're pretty close to Christmas now. If anyone else does decide to order a print or two, though, um, as a belated probably now, Christmas present, uh, I'll get them out as soon as possible, so they should be with you shortly after the day. As I say, this is going to be a slightly belated uh, episode, uh, so you know today this will be the first of a uh, two, possibly three-part travelogue about a recent, very brief trip to India. I was there on a business trip with my day job and decided that it was about time I took an extra day to visit the Taj Mahal. We'll look at some of the portraits that I shot while there, uh, plus some shots of the Taj itself. I also have a few pieces of advice if you ever decide to visit yourself. And I have a little bit of uh, housekeeping to do as well, but we'll save that for the end of the show. So let's get straight down to it and talk about my trip. So as I said, I spent a few days in India recently, basically just two days in the IT centre of India, Bangalore, for meetings related to my day job. Then I took an extra day before heading back to Japan to visit the Taj Mahal, which is something that I've been dying to do for a few years now since my first visit to India. First, let's touch on one of my weaker areas, um, which is portraiture. On the, on the uh, second morning, while waiting for someone to come and pick me up at the hotel, I did something which is uh, becoming a bit of a habit now, which is to ask the doorman of the hotel if it would be okay to take his photo. The result was image number 1174, in which we can see the doorman of the hotel that I stayed in for the first two nights. I chose a 50mm f1.4 lens for the shot, as it's a nice and bright uh, lens, it's got good focal length for portraits, and because it's quite a small lens, so it's not intimidating which I think is uh, important when shooting portraits. To fill the frame with the 50mm, you have to get quite close to the subject, and as I'd taken my gear in a bag that allows me to uh, top-load the camera still attached to the 70-200mm f2.8, I was actually tempted to shoot at 70mm, but I decided to switch to the 50 before shooting this, uh, you know, just basically because it's a smaller, less scary lens. 
Also, because it's an F1.4, stopping down a couple of stops to sharpen it up still gives me an aperture of f2.8, which is the starting point for the 70-200. Although that lens is, of course, still pretty sharp, uh, even when wide open. The other thing, of course, is uh, that the 50mm is considered about the same perspective as a human eye, so the results uh, should be just about uh, the most natural uh, for us to look at. In this shot, because of the shallow depth of field obtained by shooting at f2.8, you can see that the outline of the red turban and the gentleman's ears are already going out of focus. Although I chose a position that gave me a blank piece of wall for the background, it's also way out of focus, uh, which is of course what I wanted to achieve. In post-processing, I removed the uh, boost that I often give to the red channel, uh, to give the images uh, that velvia look that I like. Uh, just really, uh, in this case, to stop the vibrant uh, red turban from blowing out. Also, the skin tones uh, were a little overdone at my usual settings, so it was another good reason to drop that down to sort of normal. The location of the shot helped me to get some nice lighting. Um, without having to think much about it, uh, I was under the eaves of the front of the hotel where cars stopped to drop off and pick up passengers. This means that there was no light falling directly on the subject but plenty coming from the side and also there was another wallless section behind me uh, that was allowing light to fall on the subject from the front and create some nice big uh, catch lights there in the eyes. Really just a coincidence, but it allowed me to quickly see that I was going to be fine shooting right where I was without repositioning the gentleman. The only regret for this shot is that pale stripe on the hotel wall that runs across the image at the height of the doorman's neck, uh, but the wide aperture stops um, this from becoming too much of a distraction, I think. When I went back inside, right after putting the 70-200mm to lens back on the camera and putting it back into my bag, the subject of the next image, number 1175, started scraping the candle wax that had dripped onto the base of a large candelabra in the hotel lobby. He's a great-looking guy who smiled broadly as I asked him what he was doing, and I couldn't help uh, but ask him if it was okay to photograph him too. He agreed, and as he did, my ride turned up, but this was too good to miss, so I took a, a minute or two extra to uh, think about what I was doing and just sort of try to get as, as good a shot as I could. I really didn't want to waste this uh, excellent chance. I tried first composing the shot with the candelabra, showing the guy uh, going about his task, but uh, it was too distracting. And also, because the subject had his back to the window, and I wanted to shoot with natural light, there was a lot of contrast between the subject and the bright window itself, so I came around and crouched next to him. I later learned, by the way, that this uh, guy's name is Ditto, uh, so you know, I, I sat there, well, crouched down there, and again I'd switched back to the 50mm f1.4 lens, so that I had to be pretty close to the subject. Uh, which I felt was unnerving him a little, uh, but because of the slightly challenging lighting here, it took me a few shots to get the exposure right, uh, with the light coming in from my left and all of the dark areas in the shot fooling the camera to overexpose, I made a few jokes and sort of 
checked the histogram and uh, corrected the exposure, which seemed to relax Dito a little too. This is the second to last of about eight frames that I shot in the space of maybe 40 seconds or so. I ended up uh, shooting uh, a minus one stop exposure compensation because of all of the black in the shot. From both a lighting and an expression point of view, I feel that this shot to be the best of the small batch. Also, you can see that if you're looking at the image right now, you'll be able to see that I managed to include the candelabra um, that he was cleaning in the reflection in the black marble on the wall in the back there. So uh, you can still get a, a little bit of an idea of the surroundings. I actually thought that this young gentleman was perhaps not Indian, uh, but when I asked the person that had come to pick me up later, he said that he, he was probably from the north of India, where some of the population have more oriental features than we might think, as they're closer to Nepal. This had never really occurred to me until now, but I suppose um, it's kind of obvious when you consider just how vast India is. By the way, in return for these photos, I agreed to mail a, a print of the photograph to both the doorman and Dito, the, you know, one, one print each. Uh, which I intend to follow up on. I've already printed them out and I'm going to post them later this week. So, you know, I just thought that, that was a good thing to do. Um, as Just like I say, in payment, um, it's the least that I can do for them allowing me to shoot uh, two great portraits. As most of you know, as I said earlier, I'm not a big portrait photographer. And although I do shoot enough portraits to be uh, getting gradually better, it's still one of the weaker areas of my photography. I didn't have many other opportunities to do any real street photography uh, for reasons that we'll get into later, probably uh, next week or if we go into three episodes, maybe later. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll look at some other environmental portraits then too. Um, but for now, let's just say that I'm relatively pleased with the results for this first two attempts. So I went off to complete my day's work and then headed off to the airport at Bangalore to switch back from businessman to photographer and flew to Delhi to make my way over to Agra and then to the Taj Mahal. Now I usually try to do lots of planning before any kind of photography trip to give myself you know, the best chance uh, possible to get some great shots once there. However, with the preparation for the trip uh, from a business side and the other responsibilities really overwhelming me recently. Um, I, I didn't have a lot of time to do any real planning as such. I had investigated the possible weather conditions and the time that the sun would come up and I actually, um, you know, I had a lot of sort of ideas of what I wanted, but I relied on an acquaintance, you know, who very kindly um, helped out, but I relied on someone else to give me um, details on how long it was going to take to drive from, or a driver to drive us from uh, Delhi to uh, Agra. I'd been told 90 minutes to two hours, uh, so my plan was to arrive in Delhi at 9.20pm and then take a few minutes uh, to find the driver and then get rolling and arrive at the hotel in Agra no later than midnight. So that would allow me, what, uh, four hours or so sleep, uh, assuming it would take me maybe maybe 30 minutes to get to sleep, that would allow me four hours or so sleep before getting up at 4.30 to be ready to leave the hotel by 5.30ish 
and then that would again have been in plenty of time to be standing at the gates at the Taj Mahal when they open at 6am. This was uh, always going to be tough because I knew that I'd have a series of sleepless or or very small amount of sleep nights uh, before getting to this point with the travel and everything, but if I could get four hours quality sleep, I'd figured that I'd be okay. Well, this is where the plan really started to fall apart. The first piece of advice um, for today is if you ever intend to travel from Delhi to Agra by car, give yourself plenty of time. We travelled at night, so apart from the odd truck heading full speed our way on our side of the road and the dangers of a half-asleep driver keeping me from getting any quality sleep, um, it took us five hours. So I arrived at the hotel at 3am and after knocking the hotel staff up to tell me where my room is and actually getting there in there and getting to sleep, it was probably, I don't know, maybe 3.20am. So I ended up having um, just a few hours um, of very disturbed sleep in the car and then around 90 minutes of very weird sleep in the hotel. If you think of the time... Uh, I spent in the hotel, including the 30 minutes to have breakfast uh, after visiting the Taj later and checking out and everything. I'd say that I was probably there for about two hours, so that's 120 minutes. And when you consider that the cost of the hotel was $120 for the night, that's exactly $1 a minute. It's not quite what I'd hoped for, but there you have it. So moving on, I had booked a guide for what I'd hoped was going to be a full day, but it was now obvious that we needed to head back to Delhi early in the afternoon to make the flight home. The guide arrived at the hotel as requested at 5.40am uh, and we started our one mile drive to the Taj uh, you know, straight away. Tourists have to park up a little way from the area to, and then travel the last uh, half a mile or so uh, by electric car. This is to keep uh, car exhaust fumes uh, to a minimum as they yellow the marble of the Taj Mahal itself. It was on the drive over there uh, that I heard about uh, warning number two. And that is, uh, for your reference, uh, if you um, intend to go to the Taj Mahal yourself at any time, you're not allowed to take a tripod inside. This is kind of understandable because some people might go and stand uh, the tripod on the marble itself. Uh, some people use tripods with like metal spikes, which would damage it, of course. And, you know, there, there are various reasons that I can understand where, why they wouldn't like to have tripods. Uh, I would like to have seen designated areas where you couldn't use a tripod, though, rather than just no tripods. Uh, you know, a lot of the area is um, like stone and things that could be damaged. But there's also a lot of like tarmac paths and gardens. Uh, you're not allowed on the grass, but there's tarmac paths that run through them. And I really don't think that it would hurt too much, apart from on a busy day where you might get in the way. Um, I don't think it would hurt too much to be using a tripod in there. So a little bit, little bit disappointed, but uh, there you have it again. Um, so... What this means, though, uh, is that all of my shots, including those during twilight and the uh, haze uh, that I was hoping to be photographing, had to be shot handheld. 
Apparently, it、um, is possible to get permission to take a tripod in, but it requires prior application to some place in Delhi. And because I hadn't planned the trip properly, I hadn't done this. I, I don't know what the conditions are. I didn't check.、Um, you know, I did check online that photography was okay,、uh, but I'd not really looked into anything else,、uh, especially about the tripod. Again, for your reference, in addition to tripods, the security check at the entrance relieved me of my portable storage、uh, because it contains a hard drive which you're not allowed to take in.、Uh, so, plenty of memories in order. It Uh, let me see. It also became obvious that I was not allowed to take in a cable release、uh, because it has a remote control function. I wasn't too cut up about this though because I didn't have my tripod.、Uh, you can't take in mobile phones,、uh, which I thought was a little bit bizarre. And you cannot take any kind of food inside, although liquids, drinks are okay.、Uh, I was pretty cut up about the fact that I couldn't take in the Snicker bar that I'd taken、uh, there all the way from Tokyo. To eat if I started to flag during my few hours of pre breakfast shooting, but it turned out that I didn't really miss it. My equilibrium was already totally shot、uh, from lack of sleep anyway. So I、uh, should say that the items that you are、um, not allowed to take in、uh, are placed in a locker, they're not confiscated for good.、Uh, my tripod didn't fit into the locker, so.、Um, I now have a nice little white number 10 written on the side in permanent ink.、Um, it's kind of going to be a nice little reminder of my、uh, trip. Number 10 was my, my locker number.、Um, so I was also told by the locker room attendant that I was to pay him a nice tip when I got back for looking after my tripod for me while I was inside. And then when I came back from the,、um, the locker room, an American guy was standing at the front of the queue. Uh, was having his two hand, hand knitted teddy bears taken from his bag. And this,、uh, the security guard was trying hard to tell him, was、uh, because teddy bears could have been used to photograph the Taj Mahal in a derogatory manner. And the guy, was,、uh, having his, you know, the guy that was having his teddy bears confiscated was not a happy teddy himself.、Uh, my guide tried to explain、uh, better than the soldier was doing.、Um, and, you know, he. He explained that, that、uh, you know, what, what was happening,、uh, but the teddy bearless American guy was getting really frustrated with him too. And the guy just left、um, saying, you know, I don't work here, I'm just helping out with the language problem, so don't moan at me.、Uh, anyway, we,、um, we walked out、um, for a minute or so after the security checks. Um, nice, a nice minute walk actually to sort of calm down because I was, I was not so much frustrated, but、um, it had taken me longer to get through there than I'd hoped. I think it took, a, took me about 15 minutes to get through because of all of the checks.、Um, so I was getting a little bit anxious because the sky was starting to lighten up slightly.、Um, but we walked through,、um, and as I turned and looked through the gateway,、uh, this first gateway, I got the first glimpse of the Taj Mahal itself. And that Is the, what resulted from that very point is what resulted in image number 1176. We can see here the interior of an outer building, a gateway, which is lit by artificial light on the inside, making it look very orange. And the Taj in the distance、uh, looking decidedly blue in the twilight. 
I quickly cranked my 5D's ISO up to 1600 and handheld this shot for half a second at f4. I was shooting at 80mm, so I was surprised when, apart from the fair amount of grain from the high ISO and the longest exposure, the shot showed very little camera shake, a testament, I guess, to the image stabiliser on my 70-200mm f2.8 lens, I guess. I was relying on IS totally, as I couldn't lean against anything for additional stability without losing the position uh, with the targe through this arch. It was 6.22 when I shot this, and you can see that there was already a number of tourists standing on the steps waiting for it to get lighter. Of course, the targe itself is a little bit soft as I was shooting at f4, of course because I was focusing on the arch, uh, not the Taj Mahal itself, but I'm quite pleased with the result um, as a shot, uh, you know, a personal record of my first sight of this marvellous piece of architecture. I shot a few frames from these steps myself, uh, wanting some views of the Taj in the pre-dawn light, but I chose to upload one from a little later, which we'll take a look at a little later. For now, I wandered around to the side of this gatehouse and shot image number 1177, again looking through an arch, uh, out at the Taj Mahal. Still looking very blue before dawn, this time I switched to my 16-35mm f2.8 lens to frame the scene within the arch. I used uh, minus two stops of exposure compensation in aperture priority mode to keep the shot dark. If you don't have your monitor calibrated, you may well not uh, see much detail in this shot, uh, but uh, it's really um, very much how the scene was. Leaving my camera to its own devices, of course, would have meant that the shot would have been rendered much more brightly and the mood would have been lost. The shutter speed for this shot was one eighth of a second, uh, again handheld, and the aperture was uh, also wide open at uh, f2.8. This again means that the targe is going to be a little bit soft, uh, but as this lens um, is pretty wide uh, and I was shooting at 33mm, uh, I was going to get much more depth of field when shooting uh, with this uh, aperture at this wideness uh, than I would uh, with a telephoto lens at the same aperture. I made my way back around to the front of the gatehouse and as I waited for more light to fall across the targe, shooting it every so often, I shot image number 1179, again shot at f4 with the 70-200mm f2.8 lens, I isolated two domes which are the roofs of a guest house uh, to the right of the Taj Mahal, but from this perspective only um, you know, just the roofs are visible poking up from a line of trees and that they basically form a base for another pretty dark um, but moody shot. A pair of birds uh, flew through the scene uh, as I made about three or four exposures and I chose to upload this one. Um, I now had the ISO down to ISO 400 um, in this and the last shot actually um, as the sky got a little brighter uh, though it's uh, not really noticeable in the photographs yet. I shot 
image number 1180 at 6.41am. And now we can see the warmth of the sunlight hitting the structure of the Taj Mahal. I was only exposure compensating to the tune of minus one stop now, which was again really just to record on film what I was seeing with my eye and not falsely brighten it up. The uh, aperture was still f4 and I was getting a shutter speed of 125th of a second now. The sun actually should have been uh, on or around the horizon at this point, but was not cutting through the morning haze enough to really light the structure. It was around this time that I realised that there was some scaffolding around the front left tower, um, as you know, from my perspective, uh, which was a little bit disappointing, but can't really be helped, I guess. We can also see from this shot that the four towers that surround the Taj Mahal are actually leaning outwards slightly. The architectures uh, designed it this way so that the towers should, f uh, if they should fall in an earthquake, uh, they would fall outwards away from the main structure so as not to harm it. Confident that I'd gotten, gotten the shot here that I wanted with this light, um, as things did start to warm up, I set off for a walk through the grounds uh, towards the foot of the Taj Mahal itself, um, which uh, we're going to look at a few photos from there and then a, another one that's fully lit next week um, or in the next episode. Uh, but it, we're really pushing the time now, so I'm going to finish today uh, with this image, leave you with this, uh, this first image, full image of the uh, Taj Mahal, and then we'll pick up the trail again in the next episode. If you want a sneak preview of all of the shots though, they're all on the site. There's 27 in total from the trip and I'll include a link that will give you a list of all of the shots from India um, from this trip into the show notes. So just a little bit of uh, housekeeping before we do wrap up. Uh, as I say, yeah, we'll pick up the trail uh, in the next episode, hopefully uh, released later this week, um, if I can make the time. I've not prepared uh, for the rest of this travelogue yet, uh, so I'm not sure right now uh, if it will be a two-part or three-part series, uh, but uh, you know, well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. So the first uh, bit of housekeeping is uh, I wanted to quickly thank you all, um, all of those that uploaded your images to the assignment album, that we've just finished, uh, which was, if you recall, um, on sound. And uh, note that the voting has now started and this will run until the end of December 31st. So if you want to vote, you'll need to register uh, on the members site, that is. Um, of course, I'm, I've still not linked the two sites, so I'm asking you to use the same username and uh, email address as on the main site. Uh, but if you need to register, please register on both. the. Uh, members site is mbpgalleries.com uh, so you need to register there as well to vote but once you're logged in uh, you'll be able to see a, a small black vote button above the images when viewed full size uh, only the images that are in the assignment album that is um, when you click on the button your vote will be added but remember each uh, member has only one vote you can change your mind anytime though after uh, you've hit the button once until the voting stops. 
Just hit it again and the system will ask you if you want to reassign your vote before going ahead and doing so. Again, the quality of the images entered has been incredibly high and the number of entries uh, dropped quite significantly this time and I think probably due to the uh, difficulty of the theme, you know, sound, it was always going to be difficult. And I myself didn't even manage to post an entry. I had a few ideas for shots, but just couldn't find the time to execute on my ideas. So me included, let's try and get participation up a little uh, for the next assignment, which will uh, be announced uh, at the same time as announcing the winner for this assignment in the first episode of the new year. Also, I'd like to quickly apologize for the irregularity of the podcast releases of late. I've been incredibly busy, lots of things, um, you know, my day job and my photography um, have been keeping me really busy and just catching up in what little spare time I can make has been very difficult. To compound that, I've had a number of computer-related issues uh, that seem to be dogging me a little recently hindering my progress um, and I, I'm, I'm not quite out of the woods yet either with some serious photography planned in the coming weeks that will also um, of course mean a lot of images to process I've also got a trip to the UK planned for a family wedding in the new year so I anticipate that I will still uh, be keeping you waiting the odd week for a while but hopefully uh, what I intend to do is I'll catch up and release multiple episodes in the in a single week um, when I actually do come up for air so on average we should still see one episode per week uh, so just bear, in, bear with me for a little while longer maybe another month or two uh, my commitment to produce one show per week is unchanged although the release schedule may uh, probably will continue to be a little bit bumpy for a while longer Finally, I wanted to say a huge thank you to those of you that have written reviews for the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast in iTunes. This podcast uh, right now, um, well, and to, to date, it's been in the top 25 uh, in the list on the right-hand side there. It's been in the top 25 of the visual arts section for a while now. Uh, but uh, thanks to the recent spurt of reviews, I think, the show icon is actually in the top half of the featured section at the moment as well. So, you know, this will help to generate more interest in the podcast, uh, which in turn will help us to continue to grow. So again, a huge thank you to all of you that have uh, been kind enough to write a review. If you haven't done so yet uh, and you have a few minutes, please go over to iTunes and uh, navigate to this podcast and then click write a review uh, a little button under the show notes and add uh, a comment or two and really that's about it uh, tune in again uh, next week uh, to the podcast and hear about the rest of my uh, mini trip to India until then have a great week whatever you do bye bye photocastnetwork.com your photography resource in the potosphere photocastnetwork.com